Hi friends, I'm Mark and I'm part of the team here at SPS. It's great to be back with you to share this week as part of our Harbour of Hope series, delving into the book of James. I've been really challenged by how direct James is, how serious he is, but also by his unwavering call to seek the ways of Jesus, to do that individually, but also to become a community who are visibly different, marked by the good news of Jesus. If you haven't caught all the talks, go back and listen to Philippa, Abby, Nikki. The Harbour of Hope is all about the place Jesus is calling us to operate out of so that we are made new. You know, we literally taught differently and access a higher wisdom than the world has to offer. And that wisdom is Jesus. But it's so interesting, actually, because the book of James famously only names Jesus twice. But in James, there are more phrases that Jesus himself said than in any other New Testament letter. Now, this book is full of Jesus. We're going to look today at James chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he is jealous for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in us? but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So, are you ready? Let's just pray a minute before we do this. Lord, please would you just lead us as we look at this uh, passage. I thank you that you take us as we are. You really are with us right now, wherever we are. And so I pray, uh, whatever time it is or however we feel, that you would just come and bless us. Holy Spirit, guide us as we read your Holy Scripture. Amen. Well, James doesn't pull his punches here. If anything, he he exaggerates what seems to be going on on the surface in order to shine a light on something deeper going on. The things on the surface are are fighting, quarrelling, murder even. There is clearly broken relationship and a breakdown of community that James is pointing at. Now, I'm going to talk about inner war and conflict, but I I don't want to go on without first acknowledging the heartbreaking action being taken by the Russian government invading Ukraine. We live in unstable times, and if anything, as we watch and pray, we must allow the sobering nature of this to dawn on us. The world is not okay. What's happening in the Ukraine is not okay. Here, as we look at these passages, we can find that James is very serious about the way he believes these things come about. They are symptoms of a deeper brokenness, a deep battle going on in each of us. Look around at what's going on between you, says James. These are symptoms of a deeper issue, a battle which you can fight with the help of God. Now, have you ever been 
in a bidding war on eBay. There was once a great pair of shoes I was bidding for. They were in mint condition, not brand new with tags, but better than good. And I don't think the seller really knew or they didn't care because the starting price was low. Added to that, there had been no other bids and very few people were watching these shoes. I put in a generous bid and was sitting back watching the countdown timer tick away to zero going red and my screen then started to refresh and I was ready for the good news that these shoes were now mine. But no, you've been outbid. Appeared on my screen, I was gutted. What, how, who does that? Maybe you're one of those people who bids at the last minute. No way, I was really gutted. I really wanted those shoes. At the time, I was genuinely pained. I'm okay now, so don't, you know, don't worry. But the main issue that James names in today's passage is envy or coveting, wanting something that someone else has. Now, have you ever desired something, something that you didn't have like I did? One of the cries of our times in Western consumer culture is, I want that, or more recently, I deserve that. But under the surface, there is a deeper cry. I am afraid I can't get what I want. I am not worth as much if I can't have that. You know, the truth is that our consumer capitalism has rendered us deeply anxious. You know, this is a fear that I am not of value unless I have something or someone or some experience. But James says, you don't have because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. You're asking the wrong question, says James. And he's right. Humanity has a great tendency to ask with ourselves at the centre, with our eyes fixed on us, on me. What do I need? Is this the thing or person uh, like that I need? I'm going to do me, says the world. But the way of Jesus, who wants us to ask for what we need, who knows our heart's desire, the way of Jesus puts God at the centre. And James is full on then. You adulterous people, you don't know that, friend, do you not know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy to God. Wow, James, this is severe. But this is the stark light James wants to shine on this war going on in us and for us every day. Now, the 16th century Spanish mystic, Teresa of Avila says this, Jesus has no hands except ours. No feet except ours, no eyes except ours, no lips except ours. It's you and I who do this work in the world today. We can use our hands to grasp things we desire, or we can use them to care and comfort. We can use our feet to walk away or walk with. We can use our eyes to disdain or to welcome. We can use our lips to defame and slander or to sing and support. You know, God hasn't made a plan B. He's made us. Us. You and me and our friends and our family and our nations and our tribes. We are God's plan. Not the worldly things of each of us, not the commodities we own, but us. We are the precious resource he has hinged his hopes on for the whole cosmos to be renewed. What we do matters because Jesus has entrusted to us his kingdom ministry. It's by his grace says that in verse six, is grace that makes this possible. Not something we can earn, but something that he gives unconditionally by the gift of his own life and power. Now the world might teach us to, to clench our fists, but the way of Jesus 
unfolds the clenched fist. And it leads us into the way of love, which in turn begins to train us for the true desires of our heart. To do life with God at the centre. This is our heart's desire. To live in the harbour of hope, not the harbour of the world. I think James gives us three steps to enter into this. Submit, resist and repent. So here we go. Submit. This is not a popular word or action for us, is it? You know, we don't want to submit to things. We are sceptical of authority. We have to submit to you because it's let us down, but also because it implies that we're giving up something of our own agency. And part of me wants to pull James's punch a little, but this is it. Can you submit? This is the big ask of following Jesus that requires you and me to make a decision. No one else can make this decision for us. Yes, you need to know that Jesus has already chosen you. You know, he proved his love for you by giving his own life. He's proved his authority as trustworthy by rising from the dead and forgiving us. But this is the point where if you're going to follow him, even if it's for the hundredth time, if you do want to start asking the right questions, God wants to give him, wants you to give him your life and submit to his authority. Now, submit means to arrange yourself under or to bring under the influence of. Do you need to find your place again in the order of God rather than the order of the world? Whose influence do you want to be under, God's or the world's? The Bible is clear that the authority of the world is ultimately evil, governed under the influence of the devil, as Nikki reminded us last week. But here is the incredible promise Jesus gives for this internal battle. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist. Interesting, both these words, submit and resist, are words that are to do with the human will. Now, Dallas Willard describes the will as the heart or spirit, the executive center of the self and our likeness to God being in his image. He goes on to say that the will is not where we feel feelings, but is the place from which we initiate and create. God wants us to grow the power of our will. We might understand this also as our habit center, the place where if we can practice it enough, a habit is formed, a habit of choice. We need habits of holiness to become the harbour of hope. James is saying that we can submit our will to God. And if we do that, we can begin to resist the things of evil, distorted desire or passion. But resistance is not just about the internal battle because it then overflows to transform the world in transformational works. Now, in 1891, right here in the East End, the matchstick factory workers were badly affected by a disease called fossy jaw. They would get painful abscesses in their mouth, which would often lead to facial disfigurement and sometimes even death. It was caused by exposure to the white phosphorus in the matchmaking process. The London Match Girls took strike in 1888, and then the Salvation Army opened their own match factory, making matches without the harmful phosphorus. They called it the darkest England match factory, and they promised workers a fair wage and safe working conditions. You know, the boxes of matches had written on each of them, lights in darkest England. And they became part of the movement that eventually, 10 years later, saw the industry reformed so that fossy jaw could be prevented. 
nowadays, the reminder is that our, our matches are called safety matches. Those East End Christians were submitting to God, not just to the status quo, that they were resisting evil internally and externally, in the world but not of it, light in the darkness. The East End is, is not a stranger to these truths that James is sharing with us. Lastly, James calls us to repentance. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Now, in many ways, God has made the first move. We get to know that he is the way, the truth and love through Jesus. But God will not make you submit to him. He will wait for you. Now, the choice is yours. The next move is up to you. And the first step in us coming near to God is repentance. This is partly about confessing our failures, fears, the lies we may have believed about God or ourselves. But of course, it's much more than that too. It's about recognising before God that our will has not been submitted to him, but has submitted instead to the world in some way. You know, money, sex, power, words, actions, failure to act. These are all things which can become distorted in us. And uh, God wants to put them in their proper place. He wants to sort them out. You know, some of that will mean we need healing. We need forgiveness. We need deliverance from the darkness of these things. Some will need us to work on surrender or faith or trusting God where his own timing and our agenda does not match. And this can be painful. You know, C.S. Lewis, I love this quote, this uh, little picture from C.S. Lewis. He says this. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. This is the offer of God, the harbour of hope. I can show you the world for what it is. I can show you my reality and you will start to be transformed into a new creation. Now, have you got a niggling feeling that there's more to life than Netflix, burgers, nice clothes or more money? Want more than you have? Feel like everything lets you down? Well, yes, this isn't it, people. Don't believe the hype. God has something better and it starts now. How do you get it? Humble yourself, submit, resist, repent, let go of your grip, surrender control. It's an illusion anyway. Don't fear. Receive grace from the Father who has given you his Son and his Son who has sent his Spirit to show us how to live. Stop trying in your own strength. Submit to God and start resisting. Amen.